Everyone, welcome back to another episode of What's Your Jersey podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Marfuji, and just want to say thanks for subscribing, listening, rating, and sharing with your friends. If anyone wants to contact me, if you have any questions, just email me at what's your jersey podcast at gmail.com. I like to respond to everyone. Hope y'all are having a great week so far. I'm really excited about this episode. Uh, We talk a lot about creating your own content and following your path uh, when it comes to dreams or just building the life that you love. Uh, We talk reality TV. My guest knows a lot about reality TV, so we have some scoop on The Bachelor. Opinions on The Kardashians, Vanderpump Rules, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. We talk Super Bowl. She's an Eagles fan. I'm not. The Super Bowl is this weekend, guys. So we're talking some football, some Tom Brady, some Blake Griffin. And yeah, we're just going to have a good time. Meatballs, I have a very special guest for you today. I've been wanting to have her on the podcast for ever. She is the most knowledgeable person I know about everything reality television. Um, The funniest mom I know on Instagram. She's super hot. She makes fun of all our our favorite celebrities. She's been on Yahoo. You've heard her on Sirius XM Radio. And she's a published author. Her book, You Know You Were Pregnant When, funny quotes from women who have been there, is amazing. You should pick it up. It's a great baby shower gift. She is the host of Reality life with Kate Casey, an amazing podcast. Everyone, welcome to the podcast, Kate Casey. How you doing, girl? How are you doing? What's going on? What's new in West Hollywood? My life's boring. <laughs> Yours is exciting. Tell me everything. Go. Um, well, I was very on brand with everything you this weekend uh, because I was staying in a bachelor-esque mansion uh, <laughs> with my family. <laughs> Um, it was very random. My dad, my parents are in New Jersey. They're from the East Coast, as you are. And he likes to sometimes rent like Airbnb houses instead of stay in a hotel. And the one he rented the day before he got there, they were like, sorry, we overbooked, but we're upgrading you. <laughs> and I definitely think we have all seen this mansion on The Bachelor. It was absolutely hysterical and the most not awkward house to stay in with your family, but it's definitely a house where you'd want to film The Bachelor, and that's about it. Do you think that there were probably, like, semen marks on the walls? <laughs> oh, my mom made sure. We 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 changed all the linens. It was definitely aggressive. It was... Yeah. It was like one of those houses where we were walking through and there were like weird mirrors on the wall. And I was like, that's not just a mirror. And you would like wave your hand under it. And all of a sudden these like fluorescent EDM lights would appear like it was that kind of a house. That every episode of the bachelor or season when they get out of the limos they make the driveway look so wet because apparently it looks better on television. Oh. But it looks so creepy, and I'm always like, isn't that a safety issue? I'm waiting for one of them to just bite it in the driveway. Has anyone ever done that, actually, in the driveway? I don't think so. Maybe they edited it out, but if I were a producer, I would have kept it in. Oh, definitely. One of those Oscar moments where Jennifer Lawrence skipped up the steps. Although some people say she faked that when she tripped on the steps. Oh, they definitely. I, I think that was uh, definitely an act on, on her part. 
She's she's leaning into her goofy girlisms a little too much for my liking, but whatever. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm hitting my limit on her too. I'm not <laughs> her as much either. You know how they used to? I used to be obsessed with these shows when I was a little kid that would show you what they did to food and commercials to make it look better. Like they used to spray water on all the cheeseburgers. So basically, the Bachelor driveway is like a Burger King cheeseburger. So gross. Yes. <laughs> did you see the movie Mother? I did not because I just knew from the movie poster that it was garbage and then I started to read the reviews and it sounded like he has mental problems and she just went along for the ride and then I was sort of captivated by the drama after he started getting bad reviews and he was having mental breakdowns in hotels and they were dating at the time and then they broke up and I just thought first of all you should not be dating someone that much older than you you should not never date somebody that you work with and number three, this screenplay sounds ridiculous. Why would you even <laughs> sign up to do it? So I think they both can burn in a pile of leaves. <laughs> I love that. That was very like mob wife of you. That's very on brand <laughs> with this. It's amazing. Um, how are you? What's going on in your life? Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm I'm watching so much garbage television show. There are a lot of good shows, but it, there's way more garbage than the rest. Um, and uh, I, I feel like at this point that I should start to produce television shows because I feel like I'm getting like an armchair degree on production of reality shows. Uh, but I, you know what? I will say this. People, I take offense sometimes when people say there's n- there are no good reality shows because I totally disagree. There have been some great ones like, I have a girlfriend who loves fashion uh-huh. and she doesn't watch that much television. I was telling her that there is this great show that's done with Vogue. It's in collaboration between Vogue magazine. And I believe the acronym is CDAF. It's like the costume designer something foundation. And they have an award every year for like the best new designer. And there are people who apply all over the world. And the show is interesting because it, it follows, I think, the like the top ten. So you see them all go in and present their portfolio to Anna Wintour and a and a wide range of judges. They're like designers, like Diane von Burstenberg was a judge one year. Um, it's just high level people in the in the um, fashion industry. So they go and they present their portfolio, which you know they've worked on forever. And then they find out if they're a finalist or not. And then you follow their progression from from wherever they live to New York City and how working with the judges, they sort of tweak their um, their business and then they have to present at a fashion show. I think it's usually in L.A., one of the hotels. And, okay. and then they have all these, you know, high end, you know, celebrities come. But if you like fashion, it's a great window into what goes on when you're a designer and the labor, you know, that goes into it and just how difficult it is to make a living in the fashion industry. Cause this girl that I were talking, I was talking to, we have a mutual friend and she has been trying to make clothes. Um, she's like an LA based designer for a couple of years and it's, it's so impossible. So I appreciate shows like that because I'm not somebody who, you know, understands a lot about the intricacies of the fashion industry. So it's really nice to see what, how hard people work. So that's a great show. If you, you know, like fashion and it's just so well done. Do you remember the name of it? 
Yeah, I'll look it up while we're talking. <laughs> I see that sounds like the old school kind of almost like a documentary type show. And I appreciate yeah. that so much more than I mean, granted, Project Wood Runway has like launched a lot of careers or whatever. But I like the nitty gritty. I like seeing the behind the scenes, like what really goes into it and not. I don't know. This like sounds like a whole higher caliber of reality show than the stuff we have out there. Um, yeah, if you go to if you go to Vogue dot com, the show is um, in collaboration with the CFDA okay. and Vogue, and the, the show is called CFDA slash Vogue Fashion Fund. So, what is exactly does it take for up and coming American designers to bring home the CFDA Vogue Fashion? fund award one of the most influential prizes in the industry so they're actually like another great thing when you watch it is you learn about people who are sort of undiscovered you know so like i i mean i remember I, one season i watched and Edie parker was on there and she was sort of relatively small and now Edie parker is the one who makes those gorgeous handbags that have someone's name on it oh they're i really love those uh, yeah, and she was sort of an, uh, more of an unknown then. I think she competed two years in a row. There was another really interesting jewelry designer. So it's not just clothes, but it's also jewelry. Yeah. So there's some people who, um, you know, are just starting, and they're, they've run out of money, and they're desperately trying. There was one, um, there was one team that, uh, that applied or they were a finalist. It was two brothers and the sister-in-law and they made men's clothing like beachwear. And it's just really interesting to see how um, people work together and how clothing lines are created. And most of those people really had no, like they were, were running out of money. It was also Veronica and Veronica. That was a, a, like a, a clothing line I was not aware of. And they're two best friends named Veronica and I love that story because the one woman had like four or five children and she lived outside of New York City and somehow was still making these gorgeous garments. And they were worn by lots of really well-known people, but they they weren't just they were not household names. So the show's really great because it gave people a platform. And the best story was this woman who lived in like upstate New York and she made the most gorgeous sweaters. And they were all like in this like pretty versions of pink uh-huh. but she lived with her husband in this like really um, modest home she was a mom of I believe two girls and um, you know went to New York was on the show and it really launched her career and then J. Crew bought some of her sweaters and they were selling them on their website so it's re- you know what it's really inspiring if you're a creative person and you're starting out in your career to see but there are other people who have been working tirelessly on their career for many, many years and to see them get a shot and to kind of live vicariously through them and to inspire yourself to press on with your dream. You know, some for some people, their dream comes in different chapters. Like this is my second chapter in life. My first chapter, I ran my own PR firm and I represented global law firms. And you know, yeah. for some people, it's like who in the world would you know, start over, <laughs> start over in a new career in the entertainment industry, nonetheless, less, but I was like stories like that because my own mom, she went back to college at 65 to get a nursing degree. And now she's pursuing a PhD. So I just think that people need to be, uh, you know, especially women need to be kind to themselves and to not think that there's some sort of time limit on, on a dream. 
Wow, Kate, this is so inspiring for 9.30 in the morning. I love it. (laughs) Meatballs, this is the earliest I've podcasted before, and it's amazing. (laughs) I'm going to go start a company. (laughs) Six, so this is really your version of, like, lunchtime. I know. I love it. I'm sorry I can't feed you, like, Prosecco and meatballs. I normally do that for people that do the podcast. Um, That's amazing that your mom's doing that. A nice little round of applause shout out to your mom that's so cool um you know my sister she used to work in financial services and human resources in new york city she's uh there 9 11 and then she had two children and now the kids are you know one's in high school one's in middle school so now she's gone back um to work and she's working in new york city um at a at a financial startup and really having a great time so you know we all sort of take these little like curves in life but you know it's so like work is so exciting and inspiring and I'm always really inspired by other people who pursue passions and the truth is in my old age you're not old what you do you will find a way to make it work whatever circumstances you have in your life if it's children or you're taking care of an you know um someone you know in your family or you know, you're, you don't have much personal time. Like, you always figure it out if you really like what you do. So well, sometimes you can't do what you really love until you go through some sort of, um, you know, uh, career experience. Well, it's almost... Sort of, like, get your feet wet and really get experience. Like, if you know, if you want to work in financial services, you're going to have to start at the bottom and you have to work really hard for many years. You might have to sleep on a cot in your office because you have to work crazy hours, but... It's all so much worth it because, you know, all the layers of your career, it's, you know, prepares you for the next opportunity. It kind of reminds me of dating, actually. Like you have to go through a lot of shitty things and you don't appreciate and get to what you actually want until you test out the other stuff and you kind of pay your dues. Um 187 <laughs> percent totally. the, the thing about you and i guess we can dive right into it um i am so fascinated with you found such a nice niche with your comedy and just i love the pictures so kate takes pictures basically you how explain it to the listeners you don't i don't want to say you mock certain celebrity photos that are staged um no i would say this i'm a mother of four kids and what you know, it even goes back farther. I remember being a kid and looking at Seventeen magazine and being oh, and always being so frustrated. Like no, the girls that I go to school don't look like this, and feeling such pressure on myself, you know, to look a certain way or just you know what what it what it looks like to be in a magazine, and that sort of carried me through always. And I always loved pop culture. So when I had kids, I felt like there's this enormous pressure. For women to look a certain way after they push a eight pound watermelon out of their vagina it's just not possible and you will realize this that children rip the beauty from your face they just do you can't grow a human being in your body for 10 months and then look the same it just doesn't it's like if you go on the show survivor the last day of filming you do not look like the person that you <laughs> first went in looking like it just doesn't work that way it's so true so, I would see these pictures of celebrities with like their, this is when more celebrities did the people magazine covers, which they don't really do anymore where they're holding their babies. Yeah. Well, Heidi and, and Spencer, I feel like, like do that, but that's photos of like Jennifer Lopez holding her twins or there was one of Nicole Richie and she was pushing a stroller with a ball gown on. 
Oh. And it was like stuff like that just drove me bananas. So I just started doing these pictures where I was like the, you know, the mom in the Instagram picture or the magazine picture versus a real mom. And that's sort of always been my thing. Like I'm a very, I'm like, I try to be as authentic as I can be because I think that's really important. And, you know, not if this is connected to it, but I was so frustrated. I read a New York Times art, or Washington Post article on Friday night uh-huh. about how blogging has changed. And, you know, like 15 years ago, if you were what they called a mom blogger, they were really honest about what it was like to have a child that you're, you know, you're up until the crack of dawn and you're, you're sleep deprived and your nipples are cracked and all this stuff. Mm. And now we're in an Instagram age where people are so um, consumed by posting the perfect picture. And we've sort of lost the sense of authenticity. You know, people scroll through social media late at night and it's really depresses people. Like I don't have that group of friends. I'm not at that place. I don't have that relationship, you know, that this person has where they're in this weird picture caressing their lover's face. Like Ugh. none of this is real. And I, and I, I get disheartened, especially having daughters that it's just really important. I think I would like for us all to go back to a time where we're a little bit more authentic. So when I do these pictures where I'm um, doing, I call it the same right series. Like this is the same, right? I just want (laughs) people to be mindful that this is not total reality. You're looking at someone who's been airbrushed, who has a ball gown on, who's had their makeup done, who's had facials and, you know, plenty of sleep and all this stuff and it's impossible and un, you know unrealistic to compare yourself and to beat yourself up about it it's just not fair no it's so true and it's funny because I even dealt with that at a younger age I you know like I had body issues growing up I was a dancer and I I'm a curvy like kind of thicker girl and I was in therapy at one point and my therapist was like you need to throw away all your magazines um because you just keep comparing yourself. And I feel like now Instagram is almost like a real life magazine for us. And that's like what we go through. And and I sometimes get frustrated with like fashion, the fashion blogger girls. Mm. Oh, here's a scoop. I have a girlfriend who runs the Trina Turk boutique in fashion Island in Newport beach. And she's told me, God, I hope she didn't listen to this. (laughs) Whatever. Um, I, she told me that they have a bunch of these fashion bloggers that are like blacklisted. In, in the store because what they would do is they would buy clothing and then return it four hours later. So they're taking photos in an outfit, like, you know, like it to know it or whatever it is. Like yeah. buy this outfit. And so, I mean, I have a girlfriend in town who has an enormous amount of money. And she said to me this week, I don't understand how these people can buy all these clothes. I mean, these ex- clothes are all very expensive. I mean, they get gifted certain things, but they are not getting all of those clothes. So when you're like beating yourself up because it's like, well, I'm not wearing a Gucci belt. I don't have the YSL bag and all stuff. Please understand that it's either not real. It's like a fake bag or it's an outfit that they just bought and then they return three hours later. So don't beat yourself up that you don't have a closet full of clothes because they don't either. They don't. Well, I and they took that, you know, 75 versions. When I do a same right picture. There, there are no less than 10 versions of that picture I tried to take before, but I didn't get the right angle. Well, you don't so have time. What they have, they're in like the snow with like a parka on and they're having someone, a photographer probably, take many, many versions of that. That's not, 
real life. So you can't compare yourself to that. No, I loved your um, Lady Gaga side by side of you. Oh my God. Do you know, I had to have two people help me out of that damn grocery store. <laughs> and the best part was my friend Nicole parked the car and got out with her son. She was like, Kate, what are you doing? And she goes, oh, are you doing a picture? So, I mean, it's just hysterical. I love it. It's so fun. <laughs> Do your kids get into it now? I feel like they're getting old enough where they like kind of get it. Yeah, I mean, they think it's funny. Um, yeah, they don't mind. You know what's weird to them? Sometimes it's weird if somebody comes up and says hi to me. Okay. Um, and they're like, Mom, do you know who that person? And if I say, no, I don't. Um, so they're kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird. But I'm like the anti-celebrity because my assumption is that when if somebody – and I'm, oh, mind you, I'm telling you this. like This doesn't happen to me a lot. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming that if there's a celebrity – it's like oh hey so-and-so you know i loved you and blah 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 they're like yeah hey, yeah give me a break i'm the worst because if somebody stops me like hey i saw your picture i read or i read your article or you know i listen to your podcast and I'm like what's your name where do you live what do you do later you guys want to go on vacation with us like i'm so grateful it's so meaningful to me that i just eat for one moment somebody paid attention to something that i did and like people's lives are so busy and fragmented and for you to just take a second to like even pay attention to something that I did I have such an enormous gratitude for it that um my kids are like mom you gotta shut up <laughs> they're like I mom I'm talking please. to that person for like 25 minutes oh I love it I sounds like pissed in a bush because he's like, I had to go to the bathroom so bad I'm like yeah yeah I'll talk to you later this person just like my episode with the Amy Dunn <laughs> No, I get it. I I correspond with my listeners. I literally tell them to call me if they have a problem because I appreciate it. And I appreciate I appreciate you guys meatballs. Um, I want to get down to your beginning. You're from Philly, right? I'm from the suburbs of Philadelphia from a town called Westchester. You're from Westchester. Um, I love it. Grew up there, went to boarding school in Hershey, Pennsylvania, a school called the Milton Hershey School, and I went to college in uh, Washington, D.C., Trinity College. I got a degree in political science. I thought that I would work in politics forever, so while I was there, I worked at the White House and some congressional and president, like a presidential campaign, and really had convinced myself that I was going to spend the rest of my life in Washington, D.C., making a difference, um, but one of my first jobs out of school... Oh, sorry. Sorry. It was, it's okay. One of my first jobs out of school was representing uh, former senators that had gone back to their law firms. So it was great because I um, I had done quite a bit of work as an intern in political circles doing communications. So I started uh, working at a PR firm that represented, like I said, uh, former senators that had gone back to their law firms. And then a couple years later, I started my own firm. So for like 16 years, I did legal public relations, which meant like media consulting for global law firms, or if you saw an attorney for, uh, providing insight on a number of issues on like CNN or in New York Times, that was probably a placement that I did, which was a fantastic job because yeah. it was a different, it, every day there was a different news story. Um, it was super creative because I would have an attorney come to me and say, all right, I'm a white collar criminal defense attorney, and I would really want to get more clients and like the oil industry. Um, so can you help me? So it was, uh, it was like a puzzle pieces, like what, what kind of stories do I need to get them quoted in and in what kind of publications so that they 
can walk into a potential meeting with a client and they can say, well, you know, I was quoted in the New York Times yesterday about this very issue. So um, it was really interesting and I continue to kind of help some clients on the side still. Um, well, that's cool that you and keep I a hand in it. I love working with lawyers, but it gave me like a really thick, thick skin because I was quite young and a woman and most of the attorneys that I had to deal with were older and men and I just never let anyone push me around and I I found that over time they appreciated the way that I always you know was vociferous and um you know stuck to my guns and well, where did that great, come from uh, like how like as a little girl were you always just a little feisty and like how did you gain that confidence yeah. Well, I had three great loves. I loved journalism, I loved sports, and I loved politics. And I feel fortunate that I've kind of been able to pursue um, a little bit of um, everything. But as a kid, I was always about, like, I loved the Supreme Court. I loved to study it. I was always, like, sticking up for the, you know, the underdog. So um, I always loved clients that said, you know, I I am, you know, a relatively unknown attorney, and I really would love to get a for, this Fortune 500 company um, as my client. And I know I'm up against Skadden Arps or an enormous firm, and helping them figure out ways to get in front of media so that they were quoted in the same outlets as someone like Skadden Arps. And so the perspective is that they're, you know, of, of equal stature. And then that next thing you know, they're getting calls from potential client you know the clients that they're seeking so I really enjoyed that um but I oh it was kind of nice to be an outsider too because if you work within a law firm people were sometimes intimidated to stand up to a partner and since I was an outsider I could kind of do that I had a one client who was a notoriously difficult attorney and um I you know he said to me at one point like I kind of feel like you're my life coach because I would say like listen, you're a real asshole and no one at your firm likes you because you're like the worst person to deal with. So if you want to become partner, you know, I suggest you become a human being and stop being such a dick. <laughs> it's like, and he was like, Oh, okay. Okay. So okay. Kind of fun. Um, uh, and I don't think people, you know, would, it would have, um, expected that from a young woman, but I also, I think that has to do with like my life experience and, um, I also come from Philadelphia, where I think the culturally people are a little bit more direct, especially living in Southern California now, where I feel like people are a little bit more um, They're docile. Like, yeah. People in Philly and New York are just like, I will tell you like it is. Like, if you want to go to an Eagles game and just look at the people outside of an Eagles game, that's me. <laughs> okay, so you are excited about the Super Bowl then. Oh, I'm like, I said to my son, I'm just telling you now, Jack, if they win the Super Bowl, I will be crying for an easy week. Uh, (laughs) You guys are like the scrappiest, most aggressive fans I have ever met. And I grew up a New York Giants fan and you guys are just frightening to us. I know. And that's what, like, it's funny because I'm raising these kids in Southern California (laughs) and my husband is like sunshine. He believes in everyone. And I'm like the total opposite. I'm like sarcastic. And it's great. Dry. And so we have these children that are mostly like him, except for one of them. I feel like that one of one of the kids are definitely, she would definitely get in a fight with somebody with a knife in a back alley. Wait, be is she the gives 30% one? 
That's exactly right. She's my child. <laughs> she may not look like me, but she's all me. <laughs> Each of her kids has a nice little hashtag, and her hashtag is gives 30%, and I love it. Um, okay. Well, that brings us to the Just Enough with Jacqueline segment. We talk sports, so anyone can know just enough this week about what's happening. And we are talking Super Bowl, so you are absolutely the perfect guest for this. Um, you guys, this is your first Super Bowl. <laughs> what are we doing to prepare for this, Kate? Like, mentally, are you? Are, what are you doing? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Philadelphia fans are, are always prepared to lose because it's just happened so much um i was the kind of kid that were like we wore ron jaworski jerseys around the house and we watched the game every every sunday and my stepfather it was sort of the barometer for how the week would go if the team lost oh yeah it was like if we won we would be um we would be all right like we would be an okay week but if we we lost it would be a shithole (laughs) shitstorm of a week so um um, I'm able to navigate the waters if we lose, but I will tell you this. If we do win, there is a possibility that I may run through the streets of my neighborhood without layers of clothing. <laughs> but I'm just saying that now. I might raise my child into the air like the Lion King and scream while, while tears with blood, tears of blood fall down my face because <laughs> we deserve this. We freaking deserve this i mean especially because the patriots just keep winning super bowls so that yeah, feat like, you know what you guys have had enough and i have dear dear friends from college that are the biggest patriots fans and mm. we do not get in fights about this because we're mature human beings but you know i say listen you guys have had enough like it's been enough and i feel like tom brady he's got a nice life it's not that important if he wins again i'm not saying he should purposely lose but i am saying that if he were to go down um hardcore on the ground and not be able to get up for the rest of the game and have to sit on the sidelines i'd be fine with that you'd be okay i'd also like to tell you my sister saw him at a party in new york city and she said he had flawless skin and it looked to it looked to be to her that he had his eyebrows waxed and i have some serious issues with people that wax their eyebrows if they're not a woman so i feel like He's a little too high maintenance for my needs, um, and I feel like his life has been like too cush from now. And he may need a win to bring him da- down to all of our levels. Well, actually, have so- you seen the headline about him? It's so funny you brought him up because I wanted to talk about him. Yesterday, he cut an interview short after he heard that the host of the radio show called his daughter an annoying little pissant. Well, you know what? I got his back on that one. Yeah. I'd probably rip their eyeballs out, too. Because he's like, I don't really need you. You need me for this interview. Exactly. So if you're going to you're gonna talk about my child, a child is a child, then you're a real asshole and you don't deserve my time. Yeah. This guy, the host was Alex Raymer, I guess. And yeah, he called her. First of all, who says pissant? I've never heard anyone use that term. Yeah. And... That's- that's a suspect. <laughs> That's just. I would like the backstory on Alex Raymer. Is this, this man married? Does he have children? How does his wife feel about him using that term? Is he single? Will he ever find someone? How tall is he? Does he wear tight underwear? Where does he live? Does he live in a shithole apartment that's covered in pizza boxes? I think that's exactly it. 
know what? Like, is there urine all over the floor of the bathroom? What's going on? Is with them? he obsessed with piss, and that's why he said pissant? Maybe there is urine all over Maybe. the bathroom. Maybe, yeah, that could be it's it. Awesome. Yeah, no, Kirk um, Callahan. So the show that Tom was on was the Kirk and Callahan show. And I guess Alex is a correspondent on it. And Kirk tweeted yesterday, um, Tom Brady on Alex Reimer's comments. And Tom said this, it was very disappointing to hear that my daughter or any child certainly doesn't deserve that. And then um, Tom just concluded the interview and got off the air. And I don't know. I just don't think that's fair. I think that's lame. Don't do that to the kids. I I would assume that person is probably going to get fired. Yeah. That's totally unprofessional. For sure, um, my sister's um, my sister's best friend is an NFL anchor, and she's a woman. How kick ass is that? I love that. I respect that. That's amazing. I want to hang out with her. How do we do she's this? Right. Look for her on the NFL Network. Her name's Melissa Stark. Oh, I know who that is. Yeah, she's great. She's awesome. Um, are your kids also Eagles fans? Like, how does this work in your house? Because I saw that one of your daughters, she is goals. She cheered at a San Diego Chargers game. Yeah, that's because she's obsessed with cheerleading, which, by the way, is the bane of my existence. I played field hockey and lacrosse, and I'm like, this is a nightmare. Um, you are such a field like, hockey lacrosse girl. Yes, like I played in college, and I used to coach a field hockey team or like a field hockey and lacrosse team at a high school here where I had children. So for me to have a cheerleading daughter is really just like what has happened to my life. So she does cheerleading anywhere, everywhere, and there was this thing that my friend's roped me into where the chargers would teach girls for like a, two weekends in a row and then they could cheer at a chargers game so she loved it um i don't necessarily give two shits about the chargers but i was happy to see that they appreciated um having little kids on the field um, um yes they like they like the eagles my daughter i would say that they're way more into college football because my husband's really really into college football he's like a huge Bruins fan because he went to UCLA. I love that. So house is way more like into college football. So because the Eagles are playing, we're particularly excited. And my husband is has said that he is joining the Eagles bandwagon because he loves um, because he loves me, and he obviously has no choice. Wow. So our Sunday is going to be a lot of food and um, screaming. Food and screaming. Those are, you know, my favorite things. That sounds like home to me. Um, my brother is a head coach at UCLA, so I definitely respect your... Um, you what? S- yes, he's a head soccer coach there. Oh, my God. I know. Well, you know what? I, well, we got to go to a game. I'm yes! Yes, we should all go together. And you... Okay. I love that because it's flip out i know UCLA soccer shirts and wear them oh yes we'll do all the things yeah meatballs have a crush on him he's very single and he lives in marina del rey and he's awesome and how old is he he is 32 i want to say that's a great age right he's great he's he's chill he's he got all the great genes he's awesome I, I respect the shit out of that kid. He's the best. Um, but yeah, no, he coaches for UCLA. So we're a big UCLA family too. So we'll definitely have to bring the kids up and go Bruins. Um, do they like basketball at all? Because we do have a new trade. They like Bruin, Bruin basketball. Bruin basketball. Okay. All right. Yeah. I respect it. Well, we'll go to all the games this year. Um, I feel like you would appreciate this. I talked last week about it. I went to a Clippers game. And um, Blake Griffin was on the team, and the entire time all I did was look for a Kardashian, and I couldn't find one. And I was very yeah, upset about that. Yeah, but I don't believe that. that relationship's real, so I wouldn't be too invested in him. I, I don't think that she is with – I don't even know. I don't know if she's actually straight. 
I yeah, I feel like she just has like a lot of dude friends. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if she actually ends up with a woman. Oh okay. I hope I hope that if she I hope that she just it like finds her happiness because I feel like it's really. Listen, I know she's on a TV show, but she started on that show when she was a kid, so she didn't really have a choice. And I get this feeling that she doesn't. I know she's a model, but if you were to take that equation out, if you were to talk to her, you know, on just like on a Tuesday, yeah. I think that she's probably an introvert. I don't know if she really is happy about all of this. No, so, she has horrible anxiety and panic attacks, too. So I don't know if like dating a a basketball player is really like upper alley. I feel like if she's going to be with somebody, she needs to be with like someone who teaches at a college or some someone. She needs to be with like another introvert. I don't know if she <laughs> should be with an extrovert. Should we set her up with my brother? I feel like they would like each other. He has no social well, media I whatsoever. Like I said I don't know if she's actually straight. So we'll see. <laughs> so we'll see. But yeah, Blake Griffin you got traded. Your brother, your brother should be with somebody who's like twenty eight or older. Yeah, you're right. That's how old were you when you met your husband? Um, I was 20, like 26 or 27. We met on match.com and I was his first date and I had been on maybe six. Wow. See, everyone, everyone I know is meeting online. That's it. I always feel like maybe I should be in a commercial, but the commercial would be like, really? This is what you want? Sure. Sign up. You're going to get this. (laughs) And it would be like my family in a car going to San Diego with like tears and screaming. (laughs) Well, how did you guys, you, how did you come to the West Coast from the East Coast? Did a job take you there or was it just you needed a a break? I had a PR job and they said, you can move to San Francisco or LA. And I always loved the entertainment industry. So I just wanted to be in LA. Okay. So I was like this person that worked in a PR office with an entertainment practice. And my coworkers would say, you are really strange because I'm like an encyclopedia for useless information relating to celebrities. So somebody would say, (laughs) excuse me, Hey, does anybody know what Kelsey Grammer production company is? And I'd be like, I'd pull my chair out and say, Gramnet Productions. Like, I just knew everything. Weird. You're someone you want on your team if you work in the entertainment industry. Or I'm, I'm who you want on your team for Trivial Pursuit. Yes. <laughs> and that. <laughs> Wait, so when did you decide to do stand-up? Um, I think it was like two years ago. Oh, okay. I know. I haven't been doing it all that long, but I always say that it's the easiest thing that I do of everything. Um. It's like I always knew that I would do stand up. So just feel like I've so plus I've been writing for like eight years humor pieces. So I'd had a lot of material already. And I have I'm like missing that chip in my head where I'm totally comfortable speaking in front of people. So it was sort of like um, preparation and opportunity meeting together. And so I I, I really enjoy stand up. That's probably my favorite. And I would like to spend um, some more time in the next year doing more speeches especially if i could do it for you know women's conferences i think that would be quite fun um do you use mostly just your personal life in your material or is it more observational stuff about you know reality Um, tv and a little bit of reality tv a lot of um life experience um I did, you know, let me see my last set I did, I do a big set about, um, trying to get pregnant on the DL. <laughs> um, I talk about, um, 
Oh, I'll tell you what. I have a whole set about um, when you're invited to these stupid parties where people want you to buy shit, which is the bane of my existence, uh, too. Oh, yes. And, Rodan and, and Fields parties. Happened, like when I got invited to a sex toy party and I wanted to crawl under a, a couch or people who sell like um, just products, you know, you feel like, oh, some, you get to know somebody and you think that they actually like you. And then you find out that they're just trying to sell you like a skincare system. I uh. hate that. My mom was just saying she has a a friend, kind of gym acquaintance, that keeps asking her out to lunch. And my mom was always busy, and she finally went out to lunch. And then the girl was just trying to sell her, like, face stuff the whole time. And she was like, God damn it, I fell for it. I know. Or I don't want to be invited to, some like, a jewelry party because I don't like the jewelry. And I know myself. I'll end up buying something, and then I'll have such bitterness, you know? No, it's the Um, worst. I don't like that. Or, or, you know, another thing I don't like is, like, I don't want to ask, I don't want to raise money. I don't want to ask people to buy anything. Like I signed up for this um, walk for cancer many, many years ago. And I just, I felt so terrible about asking people to sponsor me. I just paid the whole thing myself. It was like $2,000. And it was like when I didn't have $2,000. So I just don't like putting people out. It's like, this is why I could never be like a Girl Scout um, leader because I would feel such um embarrassment i mean i feel like people are selling girl scout cookies now and i'm doing everything i can to ignore them (laughs) i am just because i'll eat a box in one sitting but like girl scout cookies are disgusting first of all they're overpriced they taste like wax and i i'm not really happy with like i feel like there's no sales i feel like girl scouts are lazy like they'll just go well, I'll take the sheet to my dad's office or my mom's office and then everybody will buy it. And I'm like, that's not really sales. Like get, got to get like pound the pavement. Yes. I appreciate pounding the pavement. I don't know about you because it sounds like you have really good parents, but mine were garbage. (laughs) And my mom would, this was back in the day when I was a Girl Scout where I was a Girl Scout for like maybe a year and a half or something. But she said, yeah, just go into that neighborhood yourself and, and sell them. I mean, I was a kid that went to a neighborhood by myself selling cookies door to door. This was before people really understood pedophilia, I guess. <laughs> My mom was like, try to find yourself a ride home. Like, no worries at all about me selling Girl Scout cookies. Because I I, the boxes were like two bucks then or something. And people didn't want to buy them. But you know what? I had to learn how sales. These you, kids now... These, they're not even millennials. I don't know what they are, but they're, they, they don't, they barely don't, you know, they're, they're not selling. No. They're outside the grocery store and they're letting their mom wet, weave people down. Not, if I, my kids were in Girl Scouts, which they're not going to be, because I hate the outfit. I just find it's really gross. Oh yeah. Not you a fan. Not sales. Like if they want to have a lemonade stand, like you better do the work. I think I, I was just watching comedians in cars getting coffee and it was an episode with Kevin Hart and Jerry Seinfeld and they were saying when they were kids like they just wanted to make it and they you know kind of pounded the pavement and worked really hard and now their kids just have no idea what that's like at all and they never will and they're gonna keep asking the questions like why are we so fucked up and it's just so different now I think like you know, I try to tell them all the time about other people and what other people lack. And I don't know if they're going to go to therapy about this later, but, um, and I also talk to my kids like they're adults, which again, that might be uh, listen, I always say, if you're going to write a tell all, let me write the three first three chapters. Okay. But <laughs> I always talk to them like, you know, uh, like, uh, my son goes to a private school and he lost his chapel sweater. And so he said to me, I said, listen, you lost your chapel sweater. You're not taking care of your property. And you know what? That's a real issue for me. And he's like blowing me off. He said, 
hey, you want to wear an Eagles jersey on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday? He goes, yeah, that'd be great. I go, well, you can't now because you lost your chapel sweater. So the money I would have spent on a jersey is now going to go to buying the chapel sweater. How do you feel about that? And he's like, but I really want to wear a jersey. I go, well, next time you better think about it. And he's like, scarred for life. But, I mean, they have to learn. They do. I, you're a great mom. I love or it. I'll say, or I'll go, hey, guys, you know what? how much money I just spent on the Legos that you just um, destroyed and now don't work? Yeah, I could have spent that on something nice for myself. But guess who didn't buy anything nice for himself for themselves? Me. You know why? Because I'm a nice mother. And you know what? You need to appreciate me. And they're like, yeah, okay, crazy. <laughs> I feel like they're very entertained by you, actually. And they all seem very, very happy from all of your Instagram videos and posts. Well, I think they're happy because their 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 father is really nice. <laughs> so you guys are like a yin and yang, like you're very opposite personalities. It's like he walks to the door and it's like sunshine going through the door, and they're like father running into his arms, and I'm like, what are you guys doing with a knife in my hand? <laughs> I love it. That's what it's going to be like for me. I want to know, and I feel like the meatballs would really appreciate this. Um, how you just balance because you have you have four or five kids i have four you have four so kids far. <laughs> so far <laughs> you might be dl getting pregnant while we're speaking um <laughs> that would be so messed up uh no but how do you balance having a successful podcast doing appearances doing stand-up while also keeping the kids happy and keeping yourself happy and keeping your husband happy do you have any advice for people well, number one i have a babysitter so that helps tremendously okay it can like delegate do it. I don't have any family here. All my fa- well, my, my my sister lives in New Jersey. And my mom lives in or, uh, Pennsylvania. I live in California. I have no family here. My my mother in law lives a quarter of a mile down the street, but we only see her once a week. I physically am unable to drive four children to different places and activities, and still like not want to like kill myself. So, yeah. number one, I get a babysitter. If you can, you got to delegate. You can't. You don't do it all yourself. Find other people to help you, ask for help. It's not that big of a deal. Carpool, et cetera, whatever. Delegate, delegate, delegate. Number I like what I do, so I make time for it. I'm really, really good at um, time management. I think that's a, a skill that's really, really important to learn as early as possible. Like, figure out how to manage your time. Um, just, you know, work as hard as you can at managing it. Um, number three, I love what I do. So it's like, I enjoy the hard work that I put into the podcast into writing because it really feels like fills my soul. Um, and I feel like I'm much happier to be around. Um, like my kids enjoy me more. My husband enjoy me more. If I'm doing something that really makes me feel really happy about myself and that I'm like creative and that, um, you know, I'm connected to other people. That's important to me. I um, feel like, oh, sorry, keep and I going. Don't sleep a lot. I mean, I'm not a big sleeper. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just not. I probably sleep like five hours a night, which is fine for me. So I'm the I think same way. Ask yourself, like, do I need sleep or do I not? Some people do. If you do, then you have to work, you know, time manage that. Um, so and I figure out pockets of time where I can do things like right now um, the kids are at school, so I can do a lot of stuff in the morning and just try to bang out as much as I can. I also think exercise is incredibly important. I don't drink coffee um, because I hate the smell of it. But so exercise is what keeps me awake. So if you stop looking at it as like a chore and more of like something that um, like wake, wakes you up, especially if kids, 
or, um, I mean, not everybody can do that in an office. Obviously if you work in an office, it's hard to get some exercise, but try to manage your time that you can do it before you go to work or after it really, um, that helps a lot too. Um, I find I also feel like it's really important to just stay connected to your friends. I think that helps your happiness level too. So I don't know if that's a good answer, but, um, juggling, I don't, I, I think that another thing about motherhood is you just have to accept that you're not going to nail everything at all times. Like sometimes when I feel like I'm doing things that are really great in my career, I'm probably not so kick-ass with the parenting and vice versa. So just accept that. Like no one is going to be nailing it 100% all the time and just be kind to yourself. And, um, there's ebbs and flows for everyone, ups and downs. Yeah. Um, you mentioned staying connected with your friends. I feel like you have a Rolodex, probably not a Rolodex, a contacts section in your phone. That's ridiculous. I feel like, you know, everyone. Well, I don't feel like that. Well, I think that the one thing that I do that I am is that I'm really into collaboration. I don't, I never see somebody else as like, um, you know, threatening. I just don't. Yeah. I, I think that that's my mindset. And I think that if you think of the world that way, you will get farther ahead. I don't think that um, somebody who does the same thing is anything less than you. And that, you know, in podcasting, for example, I feel like we can all help grow the market. So it's like if we collaborate and talk about each other's shows, it only helps grow our own show. So I think if people think more that way um we can all be more successful my success success is a reflection of someone else's success is a reflection of someone else's success i love that but i think that only comes sometimes when you work like i've you know i i came from more of a corporate um background and i was also an entrepreneur who started my own pr business when i was young so i think all those life lessons um helped me um in my career now um uh, and I just, I really value when somebody works really hard. Um, that to me is really inspiring. I love to see other people's hard work and that hard work may be in, in whatever they do. And when I see somebody who's like a stay at home mom and they're, you know, juggling several different kids and putting them in activities that are really right on the mark for their child. And they're able to spend quality time with each child. Like that inspires me too. somebody who's a photographer who, um, you know, is meeting with new clients and, and building their portfolio. That's inspiring too. I mean, my husband is in software and he's created a company from nothing into something huge. And I find that inspiring every day. I would say that he probably inspires me more than anybody. Oh, I hope he listens to this part. Um, (laughs) is he like your Instagram husband? Like who takes all your pictures for you? I'm always curious about that. Actually, he actually hates it. He tries to avoid it. I actually just ask anybody who's around. I've asked the male lady. I'm not even kidding you. I asked (laughs) yesterday. I did a picture in the grocery store parking lot. So I had my babysitter, um, hold the grocery cart. And then I had, um, a girlfriend who lives like right around the corner from the grocery store before she picked up her kids come over. I mean, it's just kind of whoever's around and you'd be surprised. Like I get notes from people who are like, Hey, if you ever need somebody, let me know. And I do take them up on that. Yeah. There's just one girl that wrote me and said, I, you know, I'm a a photographer and um, if you ever need somebody. So I found these pictures of Gwyneth Paltrow in a magazine in Harper's Bazaar, um, in a grocery store. 
so I said, these are the pictures. Will you meet me at the Ralphs on 17th Street? And she did. And she took fantastic pictures. Those are my favorite pictures you've done. I'm obsessed with them. I love them. It's so funny you brought her up. So I have so many questions. I saw on your page, your It's All Coot. Um. Oh, yeah. That's if I had my own um, cot, K-O-T. Oh. That was my nickname um, right out of college. With my, I used to live in a military town. And that's what my Naval Academy girlfriends called me, cot. Um, if I had a lifestyle um, brand, which I don't, versus cot versus boot. That's hilarious. And I think it's funny that you brought up that no one needs a college degree anymore to do anything. You just have to be famous or a reality star. Um, it's absurd. Or It's like, so stupid. Are like, the, my worst guests that I have to book are the people that are on The Bachelor. Like, <laughs> it, not the people that were on years ago, but the people who were just on. And they treat me like they are an A-list movie star. It is absurd. I interviewed this guy. I did this event for The Bachelor. It was like two seasons ago. Do you remember the guy, Grant? No. Oh, he was not all that attractive, but he, he. they asked me to co-host an event with him, and he was, like, belittling me. Uh, he kept going in the bathroom a lot. I know there was some really weird stuff was going on, but he was so rude. And I just kept thinking, you're going to be on television for three minutes. You have no professional background. You're not taking this this experience, like, you're not treating it as a professional experience. Like, who are you? And he was like talking about all these businesses he was involved with. But you know me, I'm like, I'm a dummy. So of course I'm asking questions like, okay, well tell me about this business. Oh, it's in the biotech industry. Oh, interesting. And how did you get funding for that? Like, don't talk to me about stuff and think I'm not going to dig. Yeah. You're dumb. (laughs) So, um, how do you tolerate them? Like, how do you even, what do you ask them? (sighs) There was this one guy, Oh my God, he was the worst. All I have to say to you is he had a full mouthful of veneers and you will figure it out who it was. Oh, got it. it. He wore a lot of like jeggings on the show and he was so obnoxious. It was like a 15 minute interview. It was painful. And he just said, you know, now that I'm on the show, people, you know, I'm an MBA. I like, I just got my MBA, which I don't even know if I believe. I don't believe Uh, that. But you know, companies are clamoring for me to work for them. I believe that when he was on the show, his, um, professional description was pool sales and i'm not joking yes yes it was (laughs) say that you are that company corporations are just killing themselves to get you to work for them under what circumstances you like because you have a spray tan and you you like swam for college how would you fit into the corporation like that stuff kills me too it's like you know, you don't know who you're talking to. Like, uh, you can't say that stuff and, and think that you're going to get away with it. Yeah. No, I love it. I hope you give them shit when they're on with you. Um, I Yeah, I have to ask you about your certain favorite reality shows, and then I'll let you go. I don't want to take up too much time. Um, I want to know, Kardashians, what do you see happening for the rest of the season? Is Kylie actually pregnant? Is she Kim surrogate? What is it? Kylie is absolutely pregnant, yeah. 100%. She had a baby with either Travis Scott or Tyga. The, the timeline is a little suspect. It is. I'm, I'm inclined to believe that it's probably Travis Scott, but there's a little chance that she's trying to cover it up. But I just don't think Travis Scott would stick around um, this long. I think, I mean, I, I, I don't know how interested he is in being a father, but I, and I know that she's really wealthy and he's going to have fame from it. Yeah. But he doesn't strike me as somebody who's all that interested in being a dad. So I'm going to say she's got has the baby in maybe two or three weeks. I think she's going to name this baby something really absurd. I'm going to go with like um, 
Moon, Love, and she's been naming the baby Gemma. It's not going to get the, the dad's last name. Yeah. She's going to disappear from, or she's already disappeared. She will arise from the, the, uh, from the, the no man's land after like three or four months. She's going to get some procedures done. She'll be all tight and cute again. In light mode, I think that's why she's in hiding is that she didn't realize because she's so young that when you are pregnant, you gain weight and like in places that you didn't expect it. And if you are not diligent about your diet and exercise while you're pregnant, things can go a little askew. But she's only like 20, 21. She doesn't have a fully formed prefrontal lobe, um, um, whatever lobe in the front of her brain. So she doesn't really understand cause and effect. So she's been eating, eating bags and bags of Doritos. And she's like, what the hell just happened? And now I have the pressure of being like photographed all the time. So she's going to disappear, come back three, four months, totally lipoed. The baby is going to be um, probably a little bit cute, but she's going to have some issues because she knows that she's totally at a facial transformation and that now she's going to worry that the child is going to have the same pressure. Like, am I attractive enough? So I think that she's going to be confronted with the choices that she made as like an 18, 19 year old to get so much work done, which is unfortunate. It's really Um, sad. I think Chloe is probably extremely happy. I don't worry about her. No, I think Courtney may or may not have a baby with her young boyfriend. I think Scott is probably going to lose his mind because she'll probably get pregnant with somebody else. I don't believe he's in love in any capacity with Sophia Ritchie. Not I at think all. That Chris will break up with Corey. Yes. Because he's become very annoying. She may keep him around because he's too much of a liability because he knows too much. Mm. I think that Kim is going to convince another surrogate to have another baby. That woman will get pregnant with twins. And so she'll have five kids total. Um, and I don't know if she'll always stay married to Kanye. I'm going to say they stick together for at least another five years because I think it's important for their brand image to be together. Yeah, they work together now. I'm, I'm yeah. not I'm not the biggest fan of the cornrows, but I am excited to see you make fun of that. And you know what? I will say this, though. She really does um, convince people of trends. Like, remember when she wore the torn up jeans and you're like, who would wear that? Yeah. And then you realized everyone was wearing it. So I think that, and then she wore braids, like the double braids in her hair for a little while. And it was like, that's so unflattering on any woman over like 22 years old. And then you realize everyone's wearing it. Everyone. Well, the funniest thing about, I think your pictures are that you actually wear what the clothes are. And it literally (laughs) is like sweats that you could like buy at Target. Like it's like just so ridiculous. The brands. You wear sweatpants and a a sport bra. And listen, I get it. I mean, I'm an old person. I get it. Like she likes to wear those because she's really pleased that she has a somewhat flat stomach now. She really enjoys her boobs. She likes the way her arms look. Yeah. And it's really hard to find pants that sort of fit the way that she has, like, the, the butt implants. Mm-hmm. So she's sort of in a precarious position. She probably has to have all of her clothes tailored. But I'd like to see her wear something that's a little bit more streamlined, like a nice black pant or navy pant that's sort of tailored to her body. Yeah. She could wear, like, a nice crisp white silk blouse that... um you know, she's got a pear shape, which I relate to. So I understand that sometimes you don't want something too blousy because it makes you look boxy. Yeah. But, you know, you um, know whose style I absolutely <laughs> love and I feel like it would look good on Kim? Um, Morgan Stort. Oh, yeah, she does. But she, I find her sort of annoying. Yeah. You know? 
But I like her. I love a good crisp white shirt with a tight jean and a good heel. And that's her signature. I'm into that. I would like to see Kim wear more, more clothes. Like I like, um, um, what's her name? Victoria Beckham's clothing. Yes. Clothing is cut to like her fit models are, you know, so like lean. Um, that I think that it's hard. Like Kim would have to have them specially made because Kim's like a small person. People think she's fat. She's not. No, she's super tiny. She's very tiny. It's just that her the proportions with the the butt are so absurdly ill proportioned to her like the top that she's you know it's difficult for her to find clothes that kind of work. But when she wears like hourglass stuff, she always, always looks great. I just don't understand why she always has to expose like her stomach. It's, it's sort of absurd. Like. We know you're small. You don't need to do that. We get it. Are you going to do any um, side-by-side photos of the Grammy fashion? Um, well, th- th- that gets complicated because y- some of these outfits, like it- it's almost like a home economics project that would take three <laughs> weeks at a high school. So there was a Demi Lovato outfit where she went to iHeartRadio's concert, and I reenacted that. It was like a- this dumb denim outfit with like, things cut out and I could do that because I could go to my prop basket and like, you know, cut stuff up. But, you know, I couldn't really do, um, you know, some of those outfits because you need quite a bit of fabric. And I, let's be honest, I, that's not my skill set. You're over it. (laughs) I love, so Kate writes, um, a lot of the comments on the fashion. What's the title of the article in us weekly that you write for in the back? It's just called fashion police. It's, it's the second to last page and I'm in there pretty much every other week. Um, so I, yeah, I think I just got my email from them. That I, I think I'm doing Grammy fashion. Yes. Yes. Do you have anyone that you loved or anyone you hated? Um, I, who, there was a person, was it Miley Cyrus? I thought she wore like a lot of the girls. I'm just like, like a Philadelphia East coast girl. So I always like black. Yeah. Um, but I, a lot of them wore these sort of like black outfits with like cutouts. And I kind of like that. Yeah, I liked um, Miley's red carpet I, outfit. Somebody, somebody wore it. Was like an I don't. I'm not like a total expert on music, but this um, one girl, young girl, she wore this like black strapless pantsuit, like a jumpsuit, but it had like sort of a train with it. I thought oh, that was really pretty. Ooh, I, I mean, don't... obviously, I like sort of simple, streamlined stuff. I think that some of the over the top stuff. I love the dress color that Miley Cyrus wore on stage, but I wouldn't wear a ball gown like to, yeah. You know, streets with a dog or anything it just sounded like weird it it was a weird combo with that song with everything like it was just an odd choice for a dress um yeah but it was pretty what did you think of the kesha number that she sang um i thought it was really empowering i thought it was almost like it was really sad to watch to be honest for me it was almost too much i thought um, I did love yeah. that she had all those women like surrounding her at the end. And I thought that that was really great. And I loved all of that. Um, I liked that she tried to keep it simple towards the end and like pull herself back in. Um, Sometimes I feel like I, I'm watching someone have a like a breakdown on stage. It makes me so sad, I guess, because I'm a mom. I just felt like, yeah, I don't know if she was prepared for this moment yet. I want her to speak. Because, you know, she's got a platform and a voice and she's had been a horrific situation. But I, don't, I felt like it was almost too painful for her. But what really bothered me was that she didn't end up winning. And Kelly Clarkson was asked on the red carpet, who do you want to win? Yeah. Her 
that song, I think it was. And she said, listen, Kesha is against me, but I would really like for her to win because I really feel like she deserves it. And so you get to the moment of the, the Grammys where it, that award came up and you could see in her face that it meant so much. It was almost too much for her. Like she really wanted it. So when she lost, I just thought, I this kind of ruins the Grammys for me because yeah. it was, she wanted it so much. And I felt like it, for her, it probably was like another trigger. Like, uh, you know, he, he, he won again, right? Like he, he won cause I lost. It was just, it was hard. It was it, hard to watch. It was definitely hard to watch. And I totally agree with you on that where it did feel like a little too, like, I don't know if we're, if she's ready for this yet. Like I I'm worried about her now. Um, yeah, but yeah, I just, I thought it was wonderful to see so many women standing behind her and, um, you know, I think that Pink and Kelly Clarkson and so many of these women, Beyonce, they're just, I really love the way that they all stand up for one another. And I, I think that, I think that other, so many people could learn from the example that they set. Yeah, They really are so supportive of one another. And I think that there is a cultural shift. <laughs> Excuse me, now I see it a little bit more in the movie industry in the last couple of weeks, but you know, we don't have to, you know, it's bad enough that, you know, the, the power structure is shifted towards men, but you know, we really as women need to walk together and to support one another and fight for one another. It's hard. And I know it's hard to like fight for ourselves, but if we have strength in numbers, we're much more powerful. I totally agree with that. And I also agree there's room for everyone. Um, and that's why we also have to lift each other up, you know. Always, well, I'm I, like I'm a I'm a women's school grad, so I um, that's something that's really important to me is that the e- equality for all people and that we all stick up for the underdog, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I feel like, oh man, you need to be teaching seminars. I feel like. <laughs> You're so busy, but like, I just want you to like go around and just talk to girls all day. God, your little girls are lucky to have you as a mom. Um, <laughs> I, um, I do quickly want to touch on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, I was really excited when the season first started and now I feel like it's getting kind of like, oh, okay. Maybe it's not going to be as good as we all thought it was going to be. Well, I think it's this. I think that some of these housewives shows are becoming too formulaic. I think that there's a lack of authenticity that people are seeking the opportunity more as a platform to sell ancillary products like bangle bracelets and skincare products and hair extensions. Yeah. So what, what makes the housewives or what made it so successful in the beginning was it was the show, show that really portrayed the complexities of interpersonal communication between women. And, we've sort of lost sight of that because it's become more about product placements. And um, so I would like to see it go back to more of that. And I think that when they go back to more of that, um, it people will be invested again. Yes. And one last question for you. What would be your dream, like reality show cast? Like, what do you want to see that's missing on TV right now? I like shows that are about people that are that come from obscurity. Like one of my favorite shows was a show called High School Reunion, where Mike Fleiss, who created The Bachelor, he created the show, and they took it was like 2004, 2003, 
they took people who were um, graduates of a high school and it was like their 10 year reunion and versus having like a reunion at some like high school gym or something. They took people and put them in a mansion in Hawaii for two weeks and they represented every archetype within a high school, the jock, the girl who was the prom queen, the nerd, all these things. And you saw how people related to one another 10 years after high school and that's always been fascinating to me because when I was a kid, I used to pour through my mom's 1963 yearbook. And even though I pr- had practically memorized it, I would always ask her, tell me about this person. And did they have siblings? And what streets did they live on? And what were their parents like? And then when school, what kind of student were they? And when they came back for a reunion, were they, they successful? Were they married? Like that stuff is really, really interesting to me. And I never forgot the story she told me about a girl that she went to high school with named Abby who couldn't get a a prom date because she was really gawky and you know it was just really sad she couldn't she went but I don't think she even went and when they went back for the 10-year reunion she was the Chantelay girl the pair which like the Paris um based perfume she was like a model and that she walked through the doors and the guys in the high school were like flipping out and all trying to talk to her and she was like you guys first of all totally ignored me I had to go to prom or I didn't go to the prom because I couldn't get a date and now I've been in Paris for a couple of years. You really think I'm going to date some guy from like Wayne, Pennsylvania? <laughs> it's like, that is the greatest thing. So I love that show because, um, you know, it, it sort of like ripped apart, you know, what we believe to be true when we're 18 about the people we go to high school. This person is the most fantastic, most beautiful person. They're the prom queen. Everything is perfect for them. And then maybe you find out 10 years later or 20 years later that they were really insecure. Maybe they had an eating disorder. Maybe they were, you know, they, their family life was awful. Like, you know, you peel the layers back from a person and you're like, wow, I, what I thought about them was wrong. And it makes you rethink um, things about yourself. Like, who am I that I judge them? Or I, I don't know. I just like all the things that come with learning about a, a set of people that may not have ever been on television just from obscurity and how common they are to the regular people that we see on the street every day and how the interpersonal communication and how we relate to one another and how life experience affects people's the trajectory of their life like all that stuff is really interesting to me I think you should produce that I think we need more of that on TV right now (laughs) (laughs) there was also a show on television on MTV many years ago called sorority life yes I went to college, but I wasn't in a sorority because we just, I went to an all women's school. It's just like one big school. Yeah. But I was always fascinated by um, sorority life because I didn't, wasn't in a sorority. So I think that, you know, Doug and Alex, I interviewed them from Evolution Media. They started Vanderpump Rules and Raw Housewives. And they yeah. said, we set out to find a corner of life, a group of people that sort of no one knew about. And it's like cracking open the door. Mm-hmm. And so for me watching sorority life, it was like cracking open that door. Like who are these people in a sorority and how do they relate to one another? And what are the social pressures that they're under? And are they what I, what I believe to be? And I like, I'm really excited when I have a preconceived notion about somebody. And then I learn what I thought about them is totally incorrect. Yeah. Like I love stuff like that. I just every I like I'm I really consider myself an observationalist. Mm-hmm. So I like situations with people. So I think that's why people are less interested in Real Housewives because there's sort of a lack of authenticity, and they like shows like Ninety Day Fiance because it's people who 
are not pursuing a career in the entertainment industry. They're just somebody who maybe work in insurance sales and they met somebody who's from a foreign country and they're completely blind to the fact that that person's using them for a green card. And I want to see how it all unfolds with their family. I think that's much more exciting than a lot of the crap that's out there right now. Yeah. Too formulaic. I loved sorority. I was in a sorority and I, I'm actually working on a tour. You would be great for this. Um, called Dirty Rush Comedy and it's about going and performing for these sorority girls and doing live podcasts with them but also then like kind of mentoring oh them and answering questions. That's amazing. Right? That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Except they they look at you and they're like, "Oh, she just got out of school. This is fun." And they're like, "Wow. Who's this old lady coming?" <laughs> I have always had this dream and that's for that for sororities to say to me, can you just be our house mother for a couple of days? I had a babysitter and she was college age and I, you know, I just grew, grew so affection of her. Uh, I, I grew such an affection for her. And so she actually invited me. She just graduated from university of Michigan. And she said, will you come for parents weekend? And I almost went, but then like someone happened with my kids. And I was like, Lacey, let me tell you this. I'm wearing a sorority shirt. I'm playing beer pong we're going to go to the frat house you're going to tell me all the people that are trying to like have sex with you like i need to know it all i need to know all the girls i need to, i need the layout of everything <laughs> oh my god i love it you should have gone can we do that for your next birthday party you're just doing a whole sorority themed party that's it that would kind of be my dream i do feel like um, like I do feel like I interview a lot of girls that are on shows and they're sort of in, in that window of age, like that, like maybe just out of college or something. And I love talking to them because their lives are so fascinating to me. And I feel like I get them. I mean, there's nothing more interesting to me than coming of age stories. So um, like the real world, I love stuff like that because your life is just pregnant with possibilities and you're, you're just figuring yourself out and everybody kind of gives you like throws you a bone because they know that you're going through this transitional period where you're going from the life that your parents taught you to, you know, life on your own. I love those kind of things. I think that's a great, that's such a fun period of life. I was obsessed with the real world, um, New York. The first season, just every, I loved watching that. Oh, you should listen to my interview with Norman. He was the first um, gay, um, gay person on television, and yeah. he was on that show. And we talked about um, the impact of him being open about his his uh, sexuality on television. Oh my god, I'm definitely going to check that out. Do you have any anyone else that? Yeah, is... I also found I tracked down Eric Nice from that season. What? <laughs> yeah, he's like a he's a fascinating person. He lives in. Hawaii with his wife. He has a son. He's super hands-on dad. He was actually, I think he helped deliver the baby in Hawaii. Wow. And he and his wife have this practice in Hawaii where it's like Reiki and other things. And they're, they're essentially like help people through life, um, life situations. They're almost like, I don't want to say life coaches because that would minimize what they do, but they're, they really help people with like trauma. He's, I felt like I spoke to him and I said, I feel like I just went through some therapeutic session. Like I'm in a state of Zen. Oh. Very nice guy. Incredibly nice and very interested in other people, but very just calm and relaxing. But I was interested to talk to him and about the experience being on television. And you'd be interested to hear what he says about how 
fame affected him because of the, the sudden impact of fame and how he handled it. And he basically was like, fame is a drug. And I felt like I needed it. And the best thing that I ever did was to move here and to be separated from all of that and just be, you know, present with my wife and my son. I mean, really interesting guy. And then another great one I did one was uh, with Rachel Duffy. She was on the real world, San Francisco. Uh huh. She was in the season with Pedro Zamora, who had HIV. Yes. And now Rachel's husband, Sean Duffy, is a congressman, a Republican congressman in Wisconsin. And I was really interested to talk to her about what it was like to live with Pedro. And we talked a lot about the, it's a little bit more of a cerebral interview, but it was more about the intersection of pop culture and politics, mm-hmm. especially since Sean, um, you know, is in, a, is in political office. So I loved her interview. I thought she was incredibly interesting and they have eight children, if you can believe it, and live in Wisconsin. Oh my God, eight! And she also does a lot of con- uh, she does a lot a lot of um, Fox commentary. She's like a a regular on the Fox Network, and I believe she also does stuff for CNBC as well. She's incredibly accomplished, incredibly bright woman, very yeah. smart, very very easy to talk to, and I just found her to be really interesting. Is there anyone that you're dying to have on the podcast or looking forward to talking to in 2018 yes i i would like to talk to kathy hilton i would i find her to be interesting i'd like to know about her life um who else there are people from teen mom i've been interviewed caitlin and tyler and i like them very much i really liked her interview caitlin because she talked a lot about postpartum um uh, you know, especially after she gave her baby up for adoption. I, I find that that story to be really inspiring about these, this young couple that gave a baby away and still managed to stay together and they're married now and they have another baby. Um, I don't know. There, there's like new shows that are coming out that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. I, like the Real Housewives, if there's one person I really want to talk to, it's Bethany Franklin because I probably relate to her most of any person in reality television that I've ever watched. I definitely agree with that. She's the one I want to talk to. I love her. She's scrappy. She started a bunch of stuff. I feel like she is who she is. I feel like she's just got a really interesting perspective on um, what, you know, just reality television in general. Yeah. For her, it really helped her career, but I would be interested to talk to her on what, you know, she's been witness to so many people have, you know, sort of a demise in their career because of reality television and what she thinks are the, you know, how can people navigate being on television and not let them not let it destroy them? I feel like you are definitely going to interview her this year. I'm putting that out there for you. It's happening. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to put it out there that the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl because I mean, I just all the Giants fans, it, it's just something I can't say, but I the only reason why I want them to win is to see pictures of you running around your neighborhood naked. <laughs> Um, that would, yeah, they win. I'm going to say this. If they win, I will put on the Easter bunny costume of my house and ride around the neighborhood on a bike. Yes. Easter bunny costume. I'm holding you to this. You're going to be the first person I call if the Eagles win. (laughs) Where's the costume? (laughs) Awesome. Well, Kate, tell the meatballs where they can find you. Pimp yourself out. So you can find my podcast, Reality Life with Kate Casey, anywhere where you can find podcasts. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Kate Casey. You can find me on Instagram at Kate Casey CA. You can see all my picture parodies, et cetera. 
And then I've got a fantastic, oh, I forgot. My website is loveandknuckles.com. I write reality television recaps every week of many shows, including The Bachelor, Vanderpump Rules, Real Housewives, other nonsense shows. I have also plenty of um, humor posts about parenting, pregnancy, and just anecdotes about life. If you've grown up, like I have stories about when I met my father when I was 33, like with stuff like that. But finally, I've got um, a Facebook page, Love and Knuckles. But if you really like to deep dive reality shows, I've got a Facebook page, Reality Life with Kate Casey. And it's just people who really enjoy reality shows and want to deep dive. They're all really nice people. They're not, you know, garbage people who like to um, bully one another. They're like just people that are like observationalists like you and I are and just like to kind of dig into shows. So that's a great group to join too. I love that. Everyone join the groups. And there's so much more I wanted to talk to you about. I love your life advice with Megan section about your older sister. I think those stories are... Oh my are... God, she's a trip. It's, yes. She's a trip. It's so... I'm an older sister. So a lot of that stuff is funny because I like relate to that. And I'm like, oh God, I did so many she's of those so things. Mean. She's so mean yet hilarious. Yes, I love that. And I wanted to talk all about your growing up. So we're going to have to have you back here on What's Your Jersey podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's been fun. Yes. I hope I can talk your ear off. I put <laughs> myself the black hole. It's like someone starts talking to me and then we, you know, we never shut up. You make my job very easy. I love it. I'm like, let's just let you go. Just you're oh. dropping bombs of knowledge left and right. It's amazing. Sure. Yes. Well, Meatballs, I hope you got a ton of info about this. And if there's any other questions you have for Kate or myself, you can email me at whatsyourjerseypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thank you again for subscribing and rating and supporting. I love you guys. Um, and I'm Jacqueline Marfuji. That's What's Your Jersey. And I'll catch you on the flip side. Bye, guys. Put your paws up, because you were born this way, baby.